Dum, dum. Well, what you're going to see in a minute, we can start talking about it now. Because it's a, a common experience, most of us, at least maybe high school and up. A baby nursery at a hospital. Um, we've all probably stood at those windows. Uh, usually we go to those windows and we're looking for one particular baby, aren't we? So we search all the name tags looking for that one particular baby, whether it's our own, and we'll never forget that, or some relatives, or just a friend's. And we look at that baby. But I, I want you to sort of step back and think of all the babies in that nursery. Big nursery, lot of babies. And instead of just, you know, well, is there any hair? Or what's their hair color? Or how red are they? Or how whatever. To really step back and think, think of the future in that room. All those babies. And we don't know now, but... To be able to say, who, who will be there? Uh, do we see, a, is there a scientist in that room? Uh, is there this uh, great athlete? Is there somebody who's going to be a leader? Somebody who's going to write poetry? Write music? Maybe an artist? In a sense, all the potential in that room. Not only who they will be, but what might come out of that nursery. Is the cure for a form of cancer going to come from one of the babies laying in one of those cribs? Um, is, um, th see, there, okay. I had faith. It was coming. What is the potential in that room? What about a baby not in a nursery, but what about a baby born in straw? In a barn? In a stable? Of poor parents who probably couldn't afford to send that baby to college because colleges didn't exist. We might say, well, what's the potential there? But it would be a mistake to overlook that baby and God didn't want us to miss what was happening with just a baby. God didn't want us to overlook what could come, the potential in that baby. So he gave us, in our terms, a trailer. Now, some of us like movie trailers. They're very popular now. You can not just wait to go to the movie theater and watch the previews. You can see them on TV. You can look at them on your computer. And they give you just a little hint of what's coming. You see some of the principal stars. You see just a few of the scenes. You learn just enough to say, oh, I can't wait. And then they'll give you a date, usually, when you have to wait. You have to wait until this time, but they've sort of whetted our appetite. So we can't wait to see the whole movie. That's what they're designed to do. It struck me that in many ways, God gave us a trailer for Bethlehem. Now, it wasn't in video, since that wasn't invented. It was in what we call the prophecies of the Old Testament. Where God says sometimes way in advance, here's what's going to happen. 
Now, he didn't give us the whole story, just like a movie trailer doesn't. Just gave us some hints. Enough hints so we could say, wow, I can't wait to see. And that's what God did in those prophecies of the Old Testament. He said, here's what's going to happen. Get ready. Now, it struck me, I get frustrated when I see a movie trailer today that says, next summer, 2012. It's like, oh. Well, I'm glad I wasn't back then because Isaiah was saying, well, in three or four hundred years, it'll be here. So we had it much better off. But we want to look at one of these, one of these prophecies, one of these hints of what God is going to do in that baby born in a manger. The one I want to look at today is in Isaiah 9. If you want to turn over there, we're going to read a couple different passages So keep your finger there. The first four verses, God is saying, here's going to be the results of what I'm going to do. Once this baby comes, here's what is going to happen. So let me read the first four verses of Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in darkness. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. God is giving us a hint of what he's going to do of what we can expect of this plot of God sending a Savior. God's plan for history. He didn't give a release date, but he did say when the movie comes, you don't want to miss it because it's going to be amazing. And he talks in there of how he will bring light to those in shadow. And that last verse, he has two references to some of his greatest miracles. The first is to the day of Midian's defeat, and that's a reference to Gideon. When God called Gideon as one of the judges, made most of his army go home, so he could miraculously deliver Israel from from the Midianites. With Gideon and just 300. But the whole rest of that verse is all references to when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And how God had miraculously defeated Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth at that time, with a man named Moses and a staff. Because that's what God could do. And so God says, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to do it in an even bigger way. When I come and work. Israel needed that. Have you ever wished for a miracle in your life because of the situation you faced? That's where Israel was. 
At the point Isaiah is giving this prophecy, Israel, hope was in short supply in Israel. The northern ten tribes, Israel was made of twelve tribes. At this point, the northern ten have already been conquered by Assyria and taken off into slavery. So Isaiah and what's left are feeling pretty alone, endangered. There's this one verse that Isaiah says in chapter 8 that I think is so powerful. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. Isn't that an interesting statement of how Israel was feeling at that point? God has turned his back on us. God isn't there for us if we need him. He's hiding his face from us. That's how Israel was feeling at this time. Who hasn't been there? Maybe you're there today. I think we've all been there at some point. We use words like God isn't listening. God doesn't care. I feel like I'm praying and talking, but I, I'm not sure anybody's listening. We have different ways of saying it, but it's all that same sense exactly where Isaiah was. I, I think God's turned away. That's where Israel was. But in the midst of that, God says, I haven't turned my back. I am going to come. And I'm going to do an amazing thing. I'm going to bring light into your darkness. You feel like you're living in the land of the shadow of death. I'm going to bring light into that. I'm going to save you. Well, how would God do that? Who would he send to be the superhero and change history and save Israel? Well, if we had to design it, who would we send? I collected some. Well, you know, we would expect somebody powerful and mighty. You can tell what kind of movies I watch. You know, we might expect Thor, Iron Man, Batman, Superman, Captain America. Somebody who would come and in their might and their strength and their equipment deliver us. Well, God's way better than us, so he's going to do it a different way. So go back with me to Isaiah 9, if you will. Let's read of who God is going to send to change history. Verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God won't send a superhero. God will send a baby. But because of God's power, that baby will accomplish this miraculous future. Because it's not your typical baby. 
And that's what we want to look at between now and Christmas Day, December 25th. We want to look at this baby and those very qualities that Isaiah tells us about that baby. And to look at each one of those and what made this baby so special. Sort of a different way to prepare for Christmas. And so we're going to look at those four phrases that are given to us by Isaiah to describe that baby. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And each week we'll look at one of those and what it tells us about Jesus and how God would bring about this changing of history. Who this baby really is, we might first glance and say, well, it's just a baby in some straw. And God's trying to say in advance, look deeper, that's not just a baby in some straw. You may not see an ornate palace, you might not see flashing neon signs of what this baby's going to do, but I want to tell you in advance, that's not just a baby. And I want us to sort of unpack what God was telling us, what he thought it was important for us to know about this baby when he arrived. I want us today to look at the first phrase, wonderful counselor. And I want to pick that uh, first, uh, the second word, and talk about it first, counselor. And I was trying to think, how could we get a handle on that? So I decided to talk about Watson. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I know who watches Jeopardy. Um, this is Watson. Um, He's there in the middle, the third contestant, and he's there on the right. Watson was a supercomputer that IBM created this last year to see if, in a Jeopardy kind of just throwing out random questions of all different kinds, if a computer could beat two humans. Now, to give the humans an advantage, they picked on the left is Ken Jennings, who won more money than any, no, more games, sorry, he won more games than anybody in history. 75 times he won. The guy on the right is the one who won the most money ever in Jeopardy. So they picked their two best Jeopardy contestants in history and put them up against Watson. Now, just a little trivia, if you like computers, if you don't, just bear with me for a second. Uh, This blew me away. Watson was composed of 90 servers Working together, if we get a really good computer now, we get a quad-core computer with four computer brains. Watson had 2,880 core processors. He had 16 terabytes of RAM. Sorry, it. It is not a he. It had 16 terabytes of RAM. It could process 500 gigabytes a second. That is equal to a million books a second. Um, it kept 200 million pages of data in its, random, in its memory as it was working to play the game. Um, if you watched it, I watched it a little bit, then I turned it off because it was Custer's last stand. Um, Watson won, hands down. It wasn't even a contest. Now, what struck me was God comes to earth and says, one of the things I will be is wonderful counselor. 
A counselor is a wise person I can go to for guidance, for wisdom, for advice, for direction. Now, if it's God come to earth as counselor, I'll bet he's smarter than Watson. The wisest we could come up with, the wisest we could imagine maybe, this supercomputer that can compute at a level that we can't even comprehend, and God would say, got you covered. I can do that. I can do beyond that. That's part of what God wanted us to understand, that this baby would one of the things be wise counselor. He would have a genius, a brain, a thinking, a wisdom. The quality of what he gives us as counselor is way beyond anything we can imagine. Isaiah in chapter 11 gave us a little detail about the wisdom of this baby. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. That's what this baby would possess. And we see that reality. We, we get to know the rest of the story. Isaiah just had a promise. We get to know that story. When Jesus is only 12, he is at the temple discussing, debating, answering questions with the wisest scholars of the day. And what do we hear about him? The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. That's this counselor who God was sending to us. This person who has perfect wisdom for us. As he taught, well, we have this verse from when he went to Nazareth, his hometown, his home synagogue. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom? I I love that picture. He's at his home church. He grew up there. He He grew up in the nursery. He went to jam. When he got older, he went to rock solid. He was in the youth group. And, and all the indications were he didn't, you know, there's a lot of weird stories that Jesus did miracles as a kid just for jokes, but there's no evidence of that in the Bible. The indication is he grew up as a relatively normal part of the youth group. And now they're hearing him teach. And what stands out for them? His wisdom. Wow, what happened to him? Where did he get all this wisdom? Well, God said, get ready for it, because that's who he's going to be. He is going to offer you the smartest counsel ever. Because I will have my power on him. That's part of who that baby was. But I also want us to talk about that second part, that second phrase, wonderful counselor. We've already seen the counselor. Jesus was smarter than anybody. But beyond his wisdom, 
the other phrase used there is wonderful. Counselor is about, can we say his IQ? Wonderful is about his person. Can I say his personality? A wonderful person is not only wise, there's someone you want to go talk to. Someone you want to be around. They are awesome in that sense. You can't wait to sit down with them because they're so wonderful. You'd love to sit with them and listen and reason and just soak in, not just because of their IQ, how wise they are, but because of who they are. I was trying to think in my years growing up, I've been privileged to study under a couple what I would call just truly wise, great minds. One of them, he's long since dead now, but in seminary, I studied under a man named Dean Walker. He was incredibly bright. He was a genius about church history. He had just an amazing mind. But one of the other things that stand out for me about Dean Walker is he was one of the scariest guys I ever studied under. I mean, he was just scary. Now, you studied under him because of how wise he was. But it was an act of bravery to raise your hand in class. Because he just ate freshmen alive. And, and he just loved to let you in your arrogance think you knew it all. And he'd draw you out. And then he'd just cut your head off. And just show to the whole class what an idiot you were. And how the very fact that you asked that question indicated your lack of intelligence. But he was so wise, you just signed up for his classes. Careful. Cautious. I, I had to go to his office once. I, it was one of the scariest things I ever had to do. That was Dean Walker. He was a counselor. I'm not sure he would have had the label wonderful counselor. Jesus has both. He's not just wise. He's wonderful. He's somebody you want to spend time with. It's no wonder crowds of thousands traveled outside the cities out into the boondocks so they could listen to him. It wasn't just for his wisdom it was also for who Jesus was. He was willing to sit on a stool and take a baby on his knee. He was willing to stop and notice somebody with leprosy. He cared about people. And when he talked, it was, it was teaching with compassion about real life and the real struggles we face and not all the details that the legalists were arguing about. He didn't have any time for that. He wanted to sit down and talk about real life. And when somebody does something to you, what are you going to do with this? And how do you deal with your friends? And how do you deal with your enemies? What's marriage all about? Are kids worth it or aren't they? What, what do we do with all these issues of life? That's exactly who Jesus was. And that's why people thronged to hear him. Because he was not only someone who was a source of amazing wisdom. He was that wonderful kind of person you couldn't wait to spend time with. That brings it down to us today. 
that baby has come. Sometimes we feel like Israel, don't we? God has turned his face from me. I'm sure some of you may be sitting there today in this Christmas season. What's going on? Where is God? The message of Christmas was not just for Israel and Isaiah and the first century. The message of Christmas is for us as well. That baby born in that straw in that manger was wonderful counselor. And he can be wonderful counselor for us. God is working. He has not hidden his face. We may not see the when. We may not have all the details. That does not mean he's not working. He was and he is. We can have that same hope Isaiah was offering Israel. Because a baby has come for you, for me, who is wonderful counselor we'll see in the weeks ahead he is other things but one of the things interestingly enough the first thing God singled out he has come to offer us that wonderful advice counsel guidance wisdom about life and he's somebody we don't have to hesitate to go talk to to go get close to because he is a wonderful counselor the question for us is, are we listening? We have wonderful counselors here in the metro area, Christian counselors. But they don't do us any good if we don't go to them and if we don't listen. And in that sense, that's Jesus. He's come. He is alive again. He is real. But he's no help to us if we don't listen. If we don't let him have that role in our lives that wonderful counselor, where we talk to him and, and listen to him about the real issues we're facing in life, whether it's at home, in relationships, at work, some moral issue we're struggling with, whatever that might be, are we letting Jesus be that wonderful counselor in us? Are we listening to him? That's the only way for that baby to really help us find light in a life that may be very dark is if we let him be our wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for letting Israel know what you were going to do through Isaiah. Thank you for that baby who is wonderful counselor. No one ever taught like Jesus. No one ever cared like Jesus. Thank you for him. Help us open our lives. Help us seek him, listen to him, so we can benefit from the wonderful counselor. In his name, amen.